what if you could intercept an observational satellite belonging to the hostile government and find out exactly what they're looking at. Hello, spacers, and welcome to Space Roots. Today on the show, we have an expert... Uh, wait, what would you call yourself? An, an expert um, satellite hacker? <laughs> Not really an expert, just someone who spent most of two decades flying spacecraft and satellites and then apparently that also counts as hacking so <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell, tell us about that what does it mean to fly a satellite and, and like were you an actual astronaut no 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 <laughs> and i refuse to go up in anything i don't get to review the design and approve the design specs for <laughs> that but, is a solid way to live <laughs> <laughs> The key word there is live. I mean, there's a reason there's a rude joke about need another seven astronauts here. <laughs> oh. But uh, mostly it is sitting in front of a screen looking at readouts and watching for numbers to go outside of boundaries or stay in boundaries and make sure that commands fire off when they should. And when they don't, you push a few buttons or, if necessary, call a few people. I mean, it, most of it's really, really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds cool. It does. Um, so, like, for example, if the satellite, you know, goes below a certain, you know, elevation, then you give it a command to, you know, boost up to, to high? Or is, is, that, is it that sort of thing? Not quite. Most of it is simply... Collision what you were just describing would be uh, altitude control, attitude, oh, yeah. attitude and altitude control. Usually you don't have altitude changes, not in low Earth, I mean, not even in low Earth orbit. Um, anything like that is a planned maneuver. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's it's scheduled, it's planned, and right. it usually it's overseen by engineering, one would hope. Okay. Um, so yeah, random deorbiting just generally does not happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds like a plot to a bad sci-fi movie. Oh no, we're randomly deorbiting! <laughs> I have trouble watching some some of those actually, just because I will start yelling. At the TV. <laughs> I know. I bet it ruins half of the sci-fi. <laughs> it it does. It's. I mean, I grew up on Star Wars. I love Star Wars, and I keep yelling at the screen. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. But the special effects are pretty. Oh. I can appreciate them. It's in a different universe. <laughs> yes. The laws of physics are different. Um, wait, 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 so what are your thoughts on the Expanse? I take it you've you've seen it. Uh, the which now? The Expanse? The Amazon. You haven't seen the Expanse? Um, possibly not. Are I've you, been a little out of the loop. Well, I've been a little distracted by current events recently. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, I bet. Um, but the Expanse, fantastic show. It is the most... Um, it... it, it a lot of people in, in the space community say it is the most realistic um, space uh, television show. And the characters, like, it's it's all across the board. It's a fantastic show. Great character development. You have a great, like, setting. You have, you know, sci-fi realism to, to some extent. I mean, you have to suspend belief in, in certain parts, but for the most yeah, part. Yeah, I mean, you always do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be fun. It'd just be real life. <laughs> um, yeah, which is... We need some escapism here. Yes, for sure. Um, so, one reason we brought you on was uh, mm -hmm. Arsenio uh, and I were talking about the Hackaset Challenge. And he was saying that yeah. you have a little bit of a different opinion on uh, the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, want to tell us about that? Well... The Hackasat Challenge came up, and as someone who went from aerospace ops to hacking to information security, I was absolutely delighted. I looked at it and was like, okay, cool. You know, I can think of so many entry points. This is something I know. This is something. And I got in there, and the challenge started, and I had a small team. Um, it was me. It was uh, Dr. Ryan, who's she's former Spitzer, and you know, she handles the star charts and things like that. Um, but, and another person, uh, who I don't have her consent to name her. So okay. yeah, so, but she's also works with satellites. And so, you know, we're used to this. We're used mm -hmm. to, you know, at least two thirds of us are used to NASA here and we get in there and it's nothing like, it was a very cute themed CTF. 
It okay. was, uh, but some of the things had some relation to actual operations, but that's not how those things work. It, okay. it was like putting together a complicated office set of furniture without ever having seen the finished product or looking at the directions. Okay. And right. it, it was very, very frustrating. So what made this different than like a normal CTO? Because I mean, they had to make some changes that would be like space themed, quote unquote. Like what did they even do? They had, I mean, some of it was looking at subsystems. They had some challenges that were, you know, there was one that was uh, dumping data from the bus mm-hmm. and from the spacecraft bus and um, others that were here rescue these subsystems with the battery failing and, you know, you, you have no power and try and get this done. But I mean, most of it was themed, but those aren't situations that if you run into them in actual operations, you're going to have a bit more time than even this. And mm. I mean, I say this is someone who's pulled off some really, really spectacular tight timing blind. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, um, don't get me started. I'll start talking about the blind ranging, deranging handover. Oh with, no, I, I want to hear about this. The, um, with the no. telemetry down. Oh, that one. It was uh, back when I was on SOHO, the Solar and Heliosphere Observatory. And um, we were doing some operations that, okay, ranging passes, track, um, okay, backing up for context, SOHO um, is out at Lagrange Point One. So you use the DSN network, the Deep Space Network. Oh, um, that's that's got, a thing. That's, a, that's pretty cool. It's, that's the way. If you see the uh, photographs of the big dishes or actually oh, the, the movie, okay. the dish. Yeah. Those that's the dish. Uh, the dish I believe was Canberra and there's Canberra, Madrid and Goldstone, California are the three big stations, you know, about equal distance around the globe. Okay. And with those, you can generally keep an eye on anything that's out beyond us. Like, well, the Grange point one, uh, right. the Voyagers use it. You get the idea. Okay. And uh, there's ranging passes and non-ranging passes, and it would take a while to get into the details of each, but uh, the the non-ranging ones are easy. The ranging ones, you have to kind of adjust the signal and lock on, and it's... If you're really curious, go look it up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be a lot faster. Okay, <laughs> and they'll probably right. explain it better than me. Ranging passes. Um, right. Yeah, uh, DSN, DSN. DSN raging passes. All right. Yeah, yeah I got I got ranging passes for uh, ra- raging water parks. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> um, but okay. Part of the thing with ranging passes is that you send up a command, you lose comms, and then it comes back. You know, on the appropriate band on the at the appropriate frequency. Okay. This is dif- usually you don't do a ranging to ranging. Um, usually you do a ranging to non-ranging or vice versa, um, unless you're coming out of a gap or, well, into a gap doesn't really matter. But if you're coming out of a gap, you might come into a ranging pass. Okay. It's, it, yeah, I, the back end of figuring out what's where is not something I got into. It was just, <laughs> I was, I was more concerned with keeping things actually talking and working. Right, right. It's like, and, um, it'd be like being a system admin, but without access to the actual servers. <laughs> sort of and you can't go in and kick them when you right. need to um it, it's uh, all you can do is swear at them and y- you can't exactly go up there with a wrench but, <laughs> um, but in this case we were it was uh operations were kind of we had long gaps and due to some issues on the spacecraft we had to actually dump all the data when we could we couldn't miss a pass Okay. And so we had a very rare ranging to ranging pass. And just coming out of the one pass, we did, we had, you know, leaving the one station, I forget which way we were going. Um, I think we were coming on to Goldstone, coming into Goldstone. But just as we, so so we had the, so so go on. The, the, uh, the, the, the satellite was going within range of the Goldstone like area that sort of. track the, or, or what, what do you, what's, what's it called? What's it called? Um, field of view. Field of view. Um, okay. Yeah. 
their track basically. Uh, side note, not a, not a satellite. A okay. satellite, yeah, a satellite orbits around something. A space a satellite is spacecraft, but not all spacecraft are satellites. Right. And right, yeah, right. Okay, and it, depending on who you said satellite around at that particular job, it would. If you were lucky, you got the nice explanation. Otherwise, <laughs> you might get to the half-hour rant at top volume, depending. Good to know. Not always, but it was. But it got. I managed to dodge the rant, but I heard it. Uh, um, so wait, wait, but, was, was this a prep where you can, you're not allowed to say what it was? Which oh, the spacecraft is the Soho. The, the spacecraft. Yeah, this is Soho. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the pass. So with a ranging pass, you have telemetry, send up a command, it drops telemetry, and then you pick it back up, as I said, at the appropriate frequency. And we had the telemetry drop, and then we lost the station completely on comms. We lost the we lost the oh, intercom no. system. It just went dead. We also lost all telemetry. Nothing came back. Oh. And oh, no. I mean, just the entire network was dead. So we had people frantically trying to call California on a land on the landline, just looking at the number, and just because that never happens. That's yeah. and of course we couldn't see when we got the telemetry back. Oh, and my. with a with a that's okay, that's right. For coming off a ranging, you're at one frequency. You send the command to shift. You drop telem you drop telemetry, and then you pick it back up at the um, normal. Wavelength or the normal frequency. Okay. Why are you saying wavelength? Well, I mean, it's wavelength um, is the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah ish. It's, it, it, splitting hairs, <laughs> but um, so you'd be at frequent, uh, you know, ranging frequency. Drop comms, come back up at non-ranging, and then you have to shift over, you know, shift telemetry over to the new station, and. Um, pick it up at the non-ranging frequency, send the command, you lose telemetry, and then it comes back at the ranging. Um, you actually have to time this very carefully, which is why you need to be able to see what's going on. Right. Except that we couldn't, and oh, no. Soho happens to have an 11-second RTLT, basically a uh, light time. Uh, um, right, like time for the signal to, to yeah. get there and come back. That, yes. Yeah. Wow. Which means that you really, really, really need to be able to see what you're doing. And we couldn't see anything. Oh, no. Um, I, and worse, this is right at a shift change, of course. Because it's, of course it was a shift change. <laughs> what, like, a, <laughs> like a shift on the ground change? Like from you? Like... Yeah, like we were, um, like the stat, the flight ops team, we're, we were changing from one shift to the next oh, shift. Oh, no. Of course. And, Why wouldn't happen yeah, to that? Yeah, it just because oh boy. And I ended up just going, okay, no, stop. You do this, you do this, and just sent we could command, but we couldn't see what was going on. You apologize. So it was Um Yeah. Essentially. I mean it's <sighs> not quite I mean live's not at risk here, but right. it was still it would have we were if we missed this pass, it was going to be a very, very, it was going to be quite a while before we got another one, simply because of the way the antenna was positioned. Because it's, uh, yeah, okay, wow. uh, cranky old spacecraft. Um, but I timed it and just counted in my head and hit the enter button on the command at the correct time, and we got it back. And it came up at Goldstone, and lots of cheers. And I found out later that what had happened was. Over in the server room, there was somebody up on a ladder. Oh, um, this is you know, good. This is good. I love this yeah, already. <laughs> there, there was somebody up on a ladder, you know, just, just doing whatever people do in server rooms up on ladders. It's, you know, it could have been anywhere from checking a, a ceiling panel to here, I need to adjust this screw up here for yeah, floor to ceiling racks, you know. Yeah. And not sure of the details, but the poor guy fell off the ladder and onto the servers. <laughs> Specifically the one that our comms were, and telemetry were running through. <laughs> this was not a happy thing. He was okay. He, he, he did take a little damage, but he was okay. The servers 
eventually were rerouted and you know, <laughs> right. but it was a little nerve-wracking oh goodness That's... but we oh wow but it was it was fun though um sort of Trying to write it up, trying to write up the anomaly report for that was a pain. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was just you had it, um, seat of pants it. Yes, that's what we did, and it was just. Oh yeah, like you know, like what? What else can you do? I mean, I guess that's the that's the thing. Um, um, lose lose data and not see the spacecraft for another eighteen hours. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's a, Soho is an old one. That's what launched in ninety five nineties. Uh, yeah, mid nineties. Mid nineties. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and then of course there's the mission interruption in ninety eight. That was entertaining. That was before my time, but wait, what happened in in ninety eight? Um, there was a mission interruption, and they lost um contact with the spacecraft. And wow, the reason that it came back is because Soho is not pure NASA. Soho is actually a joint NASA and ESA, European Space Agency oh, project. Interesting. Okay. And ESA has slightly different views on what's disposable. So uh, they um they figured out what to um you know what they were going to do and they used the you know the big dish down at Arecibo? I, I I I am not familiar with the dishes okay. around the world. <laughs> I, I, I can never I can never pronounce it correctly, but um, the Arecibo um, satellite network, and they basically I want to say radar, but that doesn't sound right. But it might actually have been radar, and just basically did a sounding of it to see what the orientation of the spacecraft was, and figured out okay, it's pointing in that direction, and managed to get it back. Um, lost. I mean, most of the gyros were frozen, lost, uh, I think, about a third of the thrusters. Maybe it was half. Why did it, like, but, just not communicating using them, they they got lost over time? Or, like, what? Uh, no, it was a series of issues that I don't really want to go into. Okay. Right. <laughs> broadcast, but it was, um, there, it was semi-preventable. Okay. Right. Um, and procedures were put into place after that to stop anything like that happening again. Okay. Um, it was, uh, you know, things happen and sometimes they kind of snowball. Yeah. And, but we did get it back as that was before my time, but I did read, I did read the reports afterwards and it was, um, a few extra checks were added. That's good. That's Which good. was helpful. Um, yeah. But yeah, they eventually got it back, but there were no gyros for stabilization. I mean, the gyros were frozen. So they had to figure out how to use the reaction wheels. And they, I believe they went from um, using gyros to using uh, reaction wheels and star tracker. Uh, so that, and yeah, it's so, wow. when I see space, when I see satellite designs that have like, umpteen zillion gyros i'm looking at this going why 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 do you have a ballet i have annoyed a previous employer by calling a new satellite design a ballet dancing brick <laughs> because it was <laughs> that is a good insult it was um you don't need that many redundant gyros when you have the reaction wheels because um, right. <clears throat> I, I have opinions on these things right also they had um it was some odd prioritization and we ended up that particular design ended up with too many single points of failure and you do not want single points. Of right. Well, right. You so want to minimize your single points of failure because key, um, keyword is failure there. Right. And I mean, and yeah. And with space, normally yeah. it's expensive and you spend a lot of time and resources getting it to that point And then you can't do anything when it's in there except yeah. Yeah. You have very little yeah. control. Like if one of your if one of your single points of failure is the electrical system, like the battery, you lose the battery, you're toast. Right. I mean, you don't have anything anymore. Uh, sort of. It actually depends on the configuration and the design. Um, mm. One of the low Earth orbit satellites I was working with, um, the fleet of satellites I was working with at one point in another job, um, not NASA, uh, had one particular one that did have the battery go out. The battery was basically a glorified piece of wire. But, well, I mean, when the battery goes, I mean, it would 
it just wouldn't hold current anymore. Right. So yeah, it wouldn't, okay, it wouldn't hold char- current. But yeah, you could, current could flow, but it wouldn't hold charge. That's the, the battery when it came up there that. wasn't initially a, a glorified piece of wire, but over time yeah. it became just a piece of wire. Yeah. It was old. Yeah. It was old, and that one. You know, if there's no power, you yeah, can't you can, talk to um, it. And but that one I actually rescued. So. Oh yeah, wow. That was fun. I I that love these. I absolutely love these stories of. Sorry. <laughs> they're just so it's so exciting because normally, um, normally we get a like a lot of people, ground crew people on this on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know people who build the hardware and stuff. But it, it's, yes, I love hearing the the perspective of the the person who actually gets to gets to maneuver and fly this. So have you ever um, worked with any rovers? Like, uh, no, I was, I was looking at a position on. Is that you or me? No, that that's you. I can stop recording if you need a. Um, they'll live. I know what it is. Okay. <laughs> and of course, I should have put the sign out saying "Don't do that." But, um, but oh, what was I saying? Oh, um, no, I was looking. Um, I was at one point looking at a position that was open on um, one of the rover teams, but it wasn't a good fit at the time. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Oh, but still, like I, I don't know. It's, it's, there's just something that's I, I don't know. It's 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 fun. It's, it's, <laughs> it really it's so is. Cool. Well, what is your like favorite story from uh, operating um, spacecraft in space? Favorite to me or favorite to other people? I mean, is there there there's a difference? Um, yeah. The well, there appears to be. I mean, there. Remember, a lot of stuff to me is just oh well, that's just what you do. Right. Um, probably my my personal favorite is the ranging deranging. Um, the the. the one what do you mean? You, you hooked up to the completely lost telemetry. <laughs> um, you talk about lost. We're not supposed to lose it that spectacularly. <laughs> That's probably my personal favorite, just because it was actually kind of fun. Yeah, um, I bet like or, the moment you regain co- contact, I bet that must have been like an incredible experience being in the the control room. It was. I mean, we were just kind of. I mean, it was all just in the space of a very few minutes, mm-hmm. so it was over before anyone really had time. Before we had time to do more than go, oh, okay, all right fudge <laughs> but um let's see there that one um probably how i managed to get managed to convince um that one satellite with the dead battery back into working order mm. um but it would you just tell it where it is so it can so it can orient and just remember it's going to lose everything every time it hits eclipse and mm. once we figured that out we were able to actually get it to come talk to us again Mm. And then figure out operational modes that um, just put it to sleep, you know, put it into a coma right before eclipse, and then wake it back up after, and it was all good. But yeah, but you had we actually had to tell it where, give it attitude and orientation data, so it knew where it was and could position itself and go. Oh, because they, if you don't tell spacecraft where they are and where they're expected to be, and basically give them some sort of orientation data, they tend to get a little... Um, so eventually, the antenna is no longer going to be pointing where you need it to be. Right. So, sort of like managing people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, I like spacecraft better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't blame you. Uh, so, so getting, getting back to the um, mm-hmm. the, the Hackasat, uh, like, yes. what... Like, if you were to design the challenge, like, what... What would you think? You think you would have done differently? Uh, quite a lot. I mean, what what I heard on the gossip channels was that publicity might have gotten a little more involved than operations. Um, but I, I would have uh, honestly, with things like that, I would have done fits files. Um, fits a certain files? kind of a certain kind of file that has flight flight data in it, flight and telemetry data in it. Um, Data dumps that, you know, there was one, I mean, one of the earlier challenge was dump a data dump, you know, intercepting a data dump and decrypting it. Except they had, you know, this something, the flag encrypted in it. And that's not really how that works. Um, I do it as a data dump that you dump it and then you have to figure out what bits on board to flip to get the bus to then spit out a flag. 
Um, I Wait, mean, normally to flip is that because radiation oh. causes the bit flip? Is that is it? no? Uh, just commands. Okay. Um, okay. Data. Uh, the data dumps usually are um, hexadecimal, mm-hmm. and so you've got uh, usually four letter. You know, the ones I'm used to are four letter data words, but each of those is basically translatable into binary. Right. So, yeah, and just figure out which what the binary currently is and what it needs to be to tell the correct um, portions of memory on board to spit out whatever data they have. And I would have put the flag in there because Uh that would actually have been, honestly, it would have been harder Mm -hmm. for most people. It would have been more of a challenge, but it also would have been a lot more practical. And if you're actually going to hack a satellite, it would be something that you would want to know how to do. Right. Um, Right. I do something like figuring out communications options. Um, so your only communications options are Tedris. Um, the it's a Tedris. basically it's relay um, relay satellites okay. um, in orbit around the Earth uh, that are used for communications. A lot of satellite, a lot of well, satellites uh, will dump data. To that. It's like a ground station, except in orbit, except okay. not. All right. But all right. yeah. So, so um, instead of like having, if it's like in a poor position, instead of ha- rolling it all the way down the ground, just relate to one of these satellites, like a exactly. proxy kind of, and then back to exactly. You. All right. Yeah, and say so. These are your only com options, and you have to dump this particular chunk of data without stomping on the housekeeping telemetry, mm-hmm. giving you know, um, things like here you have an encrypted uplink, inject a command, or. Oh. Yeah, or related intercept this encrypted downlink and decrypt it. Or change your pointing without running out of fuel or messing up your orbit, which means you're going to have to understand the attitude and orbit control system. And you know, it's right. Or, you know, repoint the ground station. That's mm. going to be one because, you know, different the ground stations, of course, are used for different spacecraft. And right. um, let's see. Uh, or scheduling. Um, Ground stations are scheduled. I mean, because, as I said, they're serving lots of different spacecraft. And so you actually have to schedule a slot on them. So can you get into the network and schedule yourself a slot so that, you know, you're not taking away from anything else and not getting... We, like, found out or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Things like downlink bandwidth budgeting. You only have a certain amount. Mm. And if you don't pull down certain bits of data, it's going to be noticed and also the ground systems and something on some onboard things might start having hysterics. Um, you know, tweak your scripts. Uh, there are scripts to do things um, mm-hmm. and, you know, tweak them so that instead of dumping this bit of data, it overwrites it or, and if you're dealing with anything large, mm-hmm. well, even small things, but especially anything large, Avoid doing things that are going to cause accidental thermal config- reconfiguration. That that sounds like a, a code word for explosion. Uh, not quite, but if you have... <laughs> the accidental ten- thermal reconfiguration. I love that. <laughs> it's, um, in some ways, explosions are almost preferable, depending on... because <sighs> The hard part with the thermal reconfigs is dealing with not just the spacecraft, but the Different. scientists. Uh, oh, no, the, the scientists. The scientists? Um, <laughs> really? Um why everyone if you so you've got scientists and you've got the instrument um crews and then you've got the flight ops team and if you ask any of them what the most important part of the project is they're going to name theirs because the scientists without the science there's no reason to have it but without the instruments you can't get the science. And again, there's no reason to have it. But without the spacecraft itself, you don't have anything else. And you have to try and... I mean, it's you also end up having to prioritize what you can lose and what you can't and what can be shut down. And it can get entertaining. And if you're dealing with something larger like Soho, um, you've got instruments all over it. And anything... Um, changing what it's doing or shutting down because of course, when things are on, they're warm, right? Right. Except not everything is always on. Not everything is always running in operation. And every now and then you may run into a 
legacy mechanical issue where, say, a door doesn't open or close smoothly, but kind of slams back into things because an explosive bolt may have gone off when, um, at a place that it shouldn't when it was initially launched. Hypothetically speaking. <clears throat> and of course, any kind of jar like that can right. mess up any visual right. <laughs> readings, so you have to work around that. But you have to keep the temperature balanced across the entire spacecraft. And this mm -hmm. goes for pretty much anything, but it is a lot harder with something larger. Right. And of course, you also have to worry if you're dealing with something medium-small, but that's actually in orbit, you're then dealing with sun versus eclipse, and it I mean, mm -hmm. you have to watch your temperatures right. and keep them balanced because right. on some of the... There's a problem in yeah. space. And if you get it wrong, you can shut down the entire thing because instruments tend to have... And the spacecraft itself all have different thresholds at which point they'll... At which they'll go, oh dear, this is a problem, and shut down. Which, of course, throws off the thermal balance for everything else. Mm. And you can... Theoretically, you can actually lose an instrument that way if everything starts cascading and going bad. Ideally, everything will safe, but not everything safe safely, if that makes any sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And, yeah, and so, you know, figure out how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually not going to be quite that complex, but... So, um, so to sum it up, the hardest thing about... Uh, thermal reconfigurings <laughs> um is not necessarily i mean yes the spacecraft itself but it's more yeah. because the scientists are there because they're working they're with the specific instrument right and if that specific instrument doesn't work then they're kind of left high and dry and so they all think that their own instrument's the most important thing and so when you're trying to make these hard decisions about what to open what to use what not to use to try to keep the temperature and uh yeah, yeah, balanced. Then I bet it creates a lot of lot of drama. And uh, well, I mean, um, at least at least they're dudes, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> or are there's they? a reason. Um, there is a reason that experiment ops facilities and flight ops teams are not usually in the same building. <laughs> that is um, smart. <laughs> that and there is experiment. I actually started off in the experiment ops facility of Soho, and then moved over to the flight ops team after taking a break. Um, but. There is a position called Science Operations Coordinator, and that is <laughs> oh, essentially keeping the scientists from... Coordin it's coordinating everything, and part of the job when things start, if anything hardware-wise goes bad, is trying to calm people down so that the flight ops team can save as much as possible. That honestly sounds like the hardest job. <laughs> it... Um, it can be challenging. Oh. It can also be quite rewarding. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet that it, too. Yeah, my second week on the job, I ended up fielding calls from Oslo, and it, it was um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, because people were just, you know, worried, and of course, everyone's worried about their data, and everyone's freaking out, and I'm just here going, calm, breathe, breathe. We will. We, it's okay. We will save things as much as possible. Everything got saved, but it just right. It, a lot of it is soft. Uh, there's a lot more soft skills involved, but fortunately, the actual flight operations are generally not having to deal with that. Usually, right. you can just usually you can just glare at your keyboard and go, "Why are you doing this?" No, right. that is not the command I sent. Well, it, it better be the command you sent. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there's very really tight room for error. Yeah, I mean, there's some operations that are, oh, I can't believe I did that, and others that, like, any kind of a roll maneuver, for instance, you want to be real sure what you just sent. Uh, wait, why, why would you do a roll? Like like a barrel roll? Yeah. Um, literally. Uh, in Soho's case, as I said, there were some cranky old spacecraft, and one of the things that ended up having to be done was every so often you have to roll, you know, flip it over 180 degrees. And a roll is the easiest and smoothest way to do that. Mm. So, and so you just use reaction wheels for that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, th you can use thrusters as well, but usually it's just reaction wheels. Um, mm -hmm. The thrusters are usually for, you know, readjusting, you know, tweaking things, but generally do not use them because you only you can't exactly go out and refuel. Right. So And trying to use the thrusters is a 
takes forever because you've got to heat up the catalyst bed and it just yeah oh, interesting okay it's <laughs> it can get um complex and it is not something that you just do mm-hmm. out of nowhere scotty fire the thrusters at maximum <laughs> capacity <laughs> Yeah, that's going to take, even at max capacity at top speed, that's going to take about six hours. So, <laughs> hanging in for, yeah, I cannot, I, seriously, I cannot change these laws of physics. You're lucky it isn't 10. <laughs> I might have used the cannot change the laws of physics. I might have also occasionally confirmed and relayed commands using the Star Trek computer voice now and then. <laughs> that, that's great. <laughs> well, you get bored. I mean, no. Right. And if you're, and if you're trying to confirm, yes, that is exactly the command that needs to be sent. You might as well do it in that voice because it, the Star Trek movie, the the next Star Trek movie had just come out, and it was yeah. I know. I I I probably I'd probably be doing the same thing if I had to say the same yeah. thing back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also it actually people are do start paying attention to what's actually being said and making sure that things mm-hmm. are there. And you should really confer if you're relaying commands down, you really need to be sure what you're sending up before you hit enter. If you're doing anything like a roll or right. Yeah, so you sent, so it, uh, so you do tell it to turn around that axis and not, you know, flip end over end right? or spin because that, you know, if you type the wrong thing in, just if, mm-hmm. if you typo, then yeah, that can actually happen. <laughs> And yeah. that is a very bad thing. That is how we lose spacecraft. Uh, what? How many spacecraft? Like, I guess, I guess that there mm-hmm. would be too many to count. But like, how <laughs> often do spacecraft get lost due to user error? Um, is it like one of those really rare things, or does it's it happen? not that common? Fortunately, a lot of things are automated, and mm-hmm. especially these days. I mean, these days, the older stuff is mostly meant for manual operate 24 7 manual operations and these days you know pretty much everything is automated so it's not that common okay um you i mean and it's the worst is usually as far as i know mm. there may be lots i don't know and i'm not going to dig <laughs> in some <laughs> cases some cases it's just not a good idea right um but usually the worst would be Oh, okay. So we lost contact with this for a day. Okay, good. We've got it back. Well, that's not supposed to be doing that. So mm. generally, if you're going to lose contact with something, it's going to be because something on board failed. Uh, yeah, because, well, things break and right. it's a harsh atmosphere. No matter how much shielding you have, if right. you have, you know, if you can still communicate with it, you have a place radiation can get in and kind of toast things. Right. And right. it's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that is not, that's not good. <laughs> no, this is, I I just love hearing this perspective. It, it's it's just it's so it's so different, right? Like I mean, I, I like it, it's not just oh the technical specifications. It's hey, how do we get these technical specifications to actually do something useful? And <laughs> you know. it's it is an entirely new perspective. Um, there's oh, and I just forgot the name of the game. Uh, there's a game that's the one where you actually design spacecraft. Oh 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 oh, Kerbal Space Program. Yes, Kerbal. Yes. I can't play it because, well, one, some of the physics are just a little, just off enough that it drives me up the wall, but that's, designing the things, it, at one point, such a, friend a scientist of mine thing to say. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, at one point, a friend of mine asked me to speak to his gaming group that all played Kerbal. And mm. the gist of it was when you're designing something, think about having to fly it. <laughs> The fly, and assume the flight ops teams know where you live. That's good. Some of the more creative swearing I ever heard in aerospace was uh, from people trying to, um, operators and engineers trying to deal with something that a physical design decision that was not always the best it was not always the smoothest operational choice right right <laughs> oh that's yeah that would make sense well be- or occasionally um there would be what was designed is not what was not what got built mm-hmm. that happens more than you would think 
Wait, what was designed? To, wasn't it like how? How does that happen? Like, is there someone um, in the middle like that goes, "Oh no, can, we need to make this last minute change." It cap. Oh, it's incredibly. Fr- um, do you remember the um this uh, probe that was supposed to fly through a meteor tail? I'm forgetting the name of it. Fly through a meteor tail and then gently float to Earth, and instead it slammed into the ground because somebody put a p- component in backwards. I did not hear about that, but wait, someone put that a component one, in backwards? <laughs> yes, and it kind of slammed into the ground instead of gently touching down. And then there was um, one of the Mars explorers, or one of the, one, it was one of the Mars um, probes that somebody used. Uh, I think it was they used uh, metric instead of uh, oh, no. Yeah, that one. Oh, it's like, no. oh, we weren't using inches? That has happened. Um, there have been issues. Like, there was one that... Uh, a private company where somebody left a cleaning rag in a fuel line. Um, oh. It was just, but yeah, um, another where a chunk of satellites were somehow during the build, somebody must have put the plans upside down and backwards because a component was put in upside down and backwards, which led to some interesting oh, oh, no. things during launch and early operations. Uh. It was. Um, so stuff like that, where where it's like manufacturing goof, goofs and messes. Yeah, yeah. it's um, well, a we, little more common than is known, but it, most of it is actually something you can work around. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I mean and, and that's that's what I love hearing. Like I, I love the story about you with the the the, the range, passing you at the range because um, <laughs> the ranging passes, range, the ranging passes, um, because like. Just working with what you've got, you know, and then there's, yeah. you know, steel wires, you, that, that's what we do all the time, right? Like, you know, you go around, oh, hey, you know, I got these components, um, like, uh, in, in the <laughs> server, uh, yeah. JS9 MechWorks. So he built a, you know, 12-foot mech from, like, parts oh he God. had lying around, you know? Like, I, I just love that whole mentality of, well, you know. Well, <laughs> doesn't think... everyone have, doesn't everyone have their box of geek tech? <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I've got mine somewhere. I could probably build a, I could probably build at least a server and a half out of it if I really wanted. To. I wonder if that. I might have to go buy a new cord because I think, or at least an adapter because I don't think the monitor. Sorry. Yes, no, I, have no. a, I have a box of geek. <laughs> yeah, of course, everyone should have it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's. Uh, that, oh. but because there's no, there's no like UI. I mean, I could be wrong, but like. Mm-hmm. A satellite kind of seems like a or uh, a, a spacecraft. Be a better <laughs> way. It, it seems like it, it's it's similar to an app, right? Where you have you mm-hmm. know the back end, you have the hardware, but you also have like the user experience, how the user interacts with it. And if you know all the all the resources are just focused on getting the spacecraft built right to, to all the mm-hmm. technical specifications, but no one really focuses on making sure that that has a pleasant user experience (laughs) i can see there being a lot of problems it that actually is something that it's not quite we're not quite as worried about user experience but operator experience yeah i mean not as worried about that but the method of operation actually Mm. can turn into something um as i do you remember I said a lot of the most of the older stuff was designed for 24/7 manual operations right. and the newer, you know, anything launched more recently automation. Right. The older stuff that's still going needs to be a lot of it needs to be adapted because I mean mm. funding is a thing and you know older projects don't even if they're still producing good data and you know pretty pictures for congress the funding will still get cut just right. maybe not all the way which means you do have to switch over to automated operations instead of manual because people are expensive. Right. Which means that you do have to completely redesign. I mean, you can't go up there and reprogram the spacecraft beyond a certain point. I mean, you can sort of, but there's a basic framework that you're pretty much stuck with Mm -hmm. if you're going, you know, if it's going to remain operational. So you have to redesign how the ground systems interact because there's some again. There's some things that are just that is the way they are. That mm-hmm. you're not going to change how the antenna. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. You're not going to go up there and bend that antenna around so it points right back at Earth. <laughs> well, uh, not currently. No. I mean, they, well, they kind of did that with Hubble. Some several of those missions. Surfacing missions. Wait, really? But, they just kind of like bent it. Well, not, 
not quite bending things, but Hubble's look up some of Hubble's servicing missions, and uh, it's normally that's one of the rare cases where yeah, we will send someone up with a wrench, <laughs> but most of the stuff is just not that's not going to happen. So oh, trying to adapt ground systems to something to any kind of automation that's actually something we did with Soho, mm. and it got interesting. Um, some software had to be written and then we had to figure out how to speak to the software and get the software to speak to other software to get the spacecraft to do what we wanted when we wanted without us babysitting it. Okay. Um, well, babysitting it on site. It still had to be babysat. But, right, of course. Yeah. It's a spacecraft. You can't let yeah, those good I mean, things run around willy-nilly. <laughs> <laughs> well, not without giving a heads up as to plan flight Right. You know, planned new orbits. <laughs> you know, you, you got to coordinate with Noah there. <laughs> uh, um, right, so, do you use like neural nets, or like how do you automate? Um, um, how, how do you automate? Is is it like a? Do you turn it into more like a notification thing? Like, you know, do X, soft, Y, um, and Z, and partly. Like, oh, hey. I mean, you end up. You end up with. It really depends Random on the spacecraft. Yeah, the spacecraft in question, and you know what needs to be done. How much adaptation is needed? what can be automated, what can be restricted to certain hours, what needs to be happening all the time. I mean, it really is individual to the spacecraft. Right. And some of it I can't go into because it's that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole Hackasat thing, I can do it. I would rather not tell the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Do, your, yeah. That's, do your own research. <laughs> but, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh. yeah, some of it, is, I mean, a lot of it is really, it's going to depend on what's needed what can be sacrificed, what can be mm. moved, what flexibility is where. Right. And really, how old is it? Mm-hmm. And... Well, so, that that's the other thing, because are satellites kind of like cars in that sense? Because I remember there being a lot of buzz about, oh, people being able to hack and remotely control cars, but <laughs> that only works for certain patches and updates, and, you know, you have to, like, all these subsystems in the cars, and each car is different, and, right... Is yeah. satellites kind of like that where they're so unique and specific that unless you have like all the specs and, you know, Greg who uh, built the thing, you know. <laughs> yes and no. There's some commonality between, you know, across all of them. Right. I mean, the, the most obvious one being you can't go up there with a wrench. Right. So, I mean, and there, there are some it. things that, Yeah. And there are some things that are going to work pretty much the same no matter what. Or at least, you know, even if not in specific detail, the general theory is going to hold. You know, mm-hmm. attitude and orbit control, right. power, etc. But, I mean, it's once you've got the basic feel of it and the way and the feel of the way things work, okay. you can pretty much figure most things out. Right. That makes sense. And, and like, is but, that, is that like a, like, what... I mean, I guess I could see maybe military satellites or something. But, like, in, in what conditions would hacking a satellite... Because it's not like you're... There, there's no apparent monetary value from hacking a satellite, right? Like, it's not... Um, or, or or is there? <laughs> like, like On what, the surface, no. But on the surface, there's no monetary value in stealing someone's social security number either. Right. It's more what you can do with the data. Right. And what you might be able to do. Um, for instance, if someone could, given what uses the Tedris network, which is uh, darn near everything, if you could intercept Tedris stuff, you know, anything Tedris mm-hmm. is relaying, it, that would be. But hacking Tedris itself wouldn't be something that, you know, would, osten- would ostensibly have any value. The value is in the data, right. really. But, but then, um, the, even that, like the, the data itself. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I, I, of course, I could completely be mm-hmm. wrong here, but it doesn't seem like, I mean, like all the, like, nor I'm assuming that the data is being used to publish papers to like publicize the the results of it, right? Like it's not um, not not always. That's not for always. things like observatories. Yes, well, for things like any of the solar observatories, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but some of the, I mean, some observatories are. It's not publishing papers, but how we tra- um, anything that tracks weather, mm-hmm. like how we track climate change, tides, hur- you know, hurricanes, 
that's, I mean, that's not papers, but that is extraordinarily valuable data. Mm. And I mean, yes, theoretically, I mean, I'm sure you can think of all sorts of nasty things you could do if you could intercept or alter that data. Oh, I see. Uh, I see. So it's not, yeah. it's not just intercepting it. It's altering it. So as I said, those command link, um, you know, okay. commands. but I mean, there's thinking from a hacker perspective, I'm sure there's a, I could figure out a way to do, depending on what the target satellite was and right. the end goal, I could probably figure out a way to man in the middle it, right. but you know, I, okay. All right. So, so I, I can see that like, like more yeah. like a cyber warfare nation state actor sort of perspective. Yes. Okay. All right. That, that makes a lot more sense right, because yeah. you're going to have, you know, um, Chad in his basement, you know, <laughs> trying to <laughs> hack well, furiously hack into the satellite so we can get that and, um, weather information. You, you never know. Well, think about some of the military applications, some of the classified satellites, mm -hmm. um, some of the stuff that's been declassified. We have a basic idea. What if you could intercept uh, an observer, uh, an observational satellite belonging to a foreign, a hostile government, and find out exactly what they're looking at? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because if and you can see, if you know what they know, that can really okay. exactly. Right. And a lot of it is simply tracking who knows what and figuring out where to shift data or hide data or at least, you know, know what they're going to aim at. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it can, it, and of course, when we get up to anything weaponized, which, right. just, I mean, 80s Star Wars, just, uh, <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, Reagan's version, not the movie. Right, right. Um, I, I figured as much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, once you're in, you know, if that, becomes a thing mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole other level of right you know of issues and you really need the security for that right and but right now most of it is probably you know extrapolating from what's publicly available most of it's probably going to be data right and the assorted uses for data okay um yeah anywhere from public to classified so mm-hmm all right, all right. That 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 makes more sense because that, that was one of the things that I I had a hard time understanding about the whole like challenge in the first place. Like, I mm -hmm. I love the idea. I think it's pretty cool. But like, <laughs> you know, it's it's not the same as I, I, it's not as apparently obvious as like voting machines, right? Or <laughs> um, any, you know, any any of the other out. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, you know, I, f I feel like we could we could keep talking for for hours, but <laughs> <laughs> very possibly we could probably wrap this up. Wait, so so t tell us how how did you get into becoming a, a what 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 do you call yourself a a spacecraft um, captain <laughs> uh, um, operations spacecraft um, ops flight stick jock <laughs> flight stick jock yes um just operation uh, aerospace operations essentially mm -hmm. uh. Officially, you need a degree, a degree, aerospace operations, and you know apply to the right jobs mm -hmm. and have the right background and have a good GPA and be familiar with MATLAB. And then there's the right place, right time, read everything in sight, ask questions, and they find. And then it ends up with you being the only person they interview when they're hiring for the flight ops team who actually understands the gyrolist operations because you read the standard operations procedures a lot when you were interning over on the other side. <laughs> so it's, it's somewhere between you have the official channels and then you have the right place, right time right. and learn everything fast yep. and just yep. be good at it, which, you know, everyone has something they're stupidly good at for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, that is, it just clicks. Yep. Um, spacecraft operations is apparently mine. <laughs> well, I'm, gl I mean, I'm, I'm glad there's people like you out there because, um, it yeah, it tends yeah. to annoy the people who go up through go through the usual channels because I <laughs> I'm not usual, but that's actually not a bad thing. Of course, it's not um, a bad it's, thing. It's a great thing. Well, it it depends on it depends on who's negotiating the government contract too. So right, right. right. But oh, yeah, no, I yeah I I 
yeah that, that yeah I, that's not not something i, I need to go into anymore <laughs> <laughs> but yes but, I, I i definitely have my my views about um <clears throat> um learn learn all the things yes um officially if you can but ask lots of questions learn all the things study all the things and if you keep doing that eventually you're going to end up asking the people who are actually in a position to say hey you might want to look at this person because <laughs> they know they don't have a degree but they actually have a clue mm-hmm. and from there yeah don't wear you know dress appropriately mm-hmm. and bathe yeah yeah, <laughs> yes, those are things. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> those no, are things. <laughs> a, a lot of people here. I, I just what I love seeing is I love seeing like growing up. It was always space was this. I, I keep I keep saying this on the show, but mm-hmm. like space is always like this unattainable, like incredible <laughs> thing. You know, like yes. Oh, you know, it'd be it'd be so cool to you know pilot spacecraft or you know work on <laughs> hardware I, I or whatever. Like that. I mean, my, my earliest, the earliest favorite toy I can remember is a mo- was a model of the space shuttle. Oh, that's, that, that's so cool. And, you know, I, I grew up on, you know, I grew up in science fiction fantasy. So I grew up, you know, reading stories about you know, space flight. And yes. then when I was around 12, someone handed me a tape of Filk songs about space. Um, minus, most of them were on minus, uh, an album called Minus 10 and Counting, if anyone feels like hunting that down on YouTube. But that was like the soundtrack to my teen years and uh, that wow and i just i've always literally always loved space and then just gravitated to it pun intended was, uh, uh, actually not really but <laughs> it happens <laughs> you know, uh, the fun part is in meetings when your boss is fr- you know meetings and your boss is slightly frustrated because it's a simple concept and come on people this isn't rocket science <laughs> it is rocket it science. Is rocket scientist um so yeah, so we go with rocket surgery. <laughs> oh. rocket, that that was another one that came out of someone else starting to say the same thing and then sw- trying to switch <laughs> mid sentence to brain surgery and rocket surgery is now a thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. But yeah, I, yeah I, I love like all the people like um I I, I don't know if you uh, one of the guests we oh gosh I got a squeaky chair need to fix. Um, <laughs> one of the people we we talked to um, he he's working on an open source uh, thruster for small sats. Oliver's garage like he he builds on like vacuum yep. chamber and yeah that's it, I mean it's wow love this um testing the vacuum I'd want to be real sure about that testing the vacuum chamber but yeah a lot of it is a little easier than you think and you know that. Amazon has the ground station bit, right? The ground station bit? Look up Amazon or AWS ground station. Wait, wait, AWS has what? Yes. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can find that. But yes, there's actually. <laughs> of course, and AWS has everything. Why wouldn't it have a ground AWS ground station be a thing? <laughs> yeah, but with that, I could actually figure, I mean, I... Wow! If you are good enough at figuring out the engineering side, you could technically be a one-person flight ops team, <laughs> or a for you know within within reason. Wow! But yeah, I mean it's it is actually if you yeah um, here it is yeah AWS Ground Station and wow. it's yeah poke around in that and you can actually if you can figure out how if you can build it which you know right. seriously. Garage, a vacuum chamber. You're, and you know how to operate it, and you know deal with the uh, flight ops side of it. Essentially, mm-hmm. if you can get it off the ground, and if you can get it into orbit, you can do this. Wow, there's not really it. Right. Technically, your biggest expense might be launch, um, probably. If you yeah, could, like uh, yeah, reduce all the other costs, which is what. Um, yeah, all the other guests on the show we're talking about. You know, it's, it's, exactly. it's, that's always the big thing is reducing. Um, like, launch costs are pretty cheap. I mean, of course, cheaper launch costs are always better. But, well, yes. <laughs> but but the, the, the bigger cap um, is the, the price of the actual parts because you have stuff that's like, I mean, a <laughs> $7,000 reaction wheel. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. <clears throat> um, so, check surplus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, well, like that, anything else, there's usually going to be a spare part around somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
So, and also for that one, there are a lot of projects that get built but never launched because funding gets cut or gets canceled. I mean, I've lost, I've, I've had an aerospace job go away due to an act of Congress before. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, <laughs> That's a common theme I'm hearing in NASA. Like, like I, the last uh, Arsenio, um, mm-hmm. he was working on a project that, that got cut. And that, that, just, that yeah. just sounds so. <laughs> It, like it's frustrating. frustrating yeah it, it really is it can sometimes it's a good thing mm. other times it's you know sometimes it's a good thing because it allows the project to reorganize and you know shift private because right. you know and get a better fit between project and team mm-hmm. which is actually very critical right. um more far more so than you'd think mm-hmm. but well and also like in in nasa mm-hmm. there's just there's just so much going on, right? There's so many like like operations missions and stuff they're yes. building, right? You're just another thing on the list, right? But like the, the same thing, if it was like a, a company, I mean, that, that's like a big deal, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is, and and then you get some overlap because, of course, some of the stuff is contracted out, right. so you get the best and worst of both worlds, you know, private and right space. But right. Yeah, I mean, there's um, parts wise, there's probably some older stuff that never got launched and mm-hmm. if you can track some of that down i mean it's that's a, that's i mean we know some of the old stuff still works just fine just get a better brain in it right and because i mean well case in point so it's still <laughs> right. running <laughs> I mean, right even after even after everything that girl's been through <laughs> oh man all right well I, we should wrap this up or is there anything you want to plug any like twitter do you have what do you, um, do you like blog about your exploit or your your uh, um, adventures, or are you uh, pretty, um, pre- pretty much? <laughs> I um pretty pretty good. I mean, I, I occasionally rant on Twitter um, under Cat Bailey, <laughs> but um, beyond that, I don't usually actually usually it's just mm-hmm. random conversations happen and then. <laughs> Then you're on a, well, then you're on a space podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I enjoyed this so much. Um, as always, uh, check out our other uh, podcast, Janky to Max, where we talk to okay. about creators and their and their projects. Um, and you know, follow us on Twitter uh, and uh, later spacers. <laughs> <laughs>